The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside still waters. Thank you for joining Beside Still Waters podcast with Christian Javois. Beside Still Waters is the moment in our day when we seek stillness in God's presence, guidance from the Word of God, and grace to live by faith. This is the moment when we view horizontal living from the divine perspective. For the eyes of Jehovah run to and fro through the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. Now here's today's message. We hope it will be a blessing. Welcome to Beside Still Waters. Glad you could join me again. And we are reviewing the series, It's Not There. This series is about man's efforts to find that single most entity that makes all the difference in the way a person lives their life, and specifically the devotee of our Lord Jesus Christ, because that relationship is a quest to know that which is impossible to be known apart from revelation by the Spirit of God, and that is Who is God? Who is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ? Can this living God be known? And having obtained this knowledge and relishing in it as one's way of life, is it transformative? I reflect on past years before my conversion and my efforts uh, having been involved in meditation and uh, for those of you who are familiar with some of the terms energy work, uh, the efforts to exercise the application of certain laws such as the law of attraction, uh, the laws of sowing and uh, reaping, Uh, the practice of utilizing affirmations and the like. I mean, the list is a bit extensive, but these were practices that I involved myself in uh, in order to find the meaning and purpose of life, only to find that there was no definitive results that were repeatable and transferable to others, meaning one might obtain some results, uh, but are they consistent? Does it lead to a full life, a life with meaning? And I understand that for some that may be a relative term. However, uh, we have the examination of a king by the name of Josiah. And uh, this king came to the throne of what was then the uh, tribes of Judah and Benjamin. And he was eight years old. And uh, at that time, he sought, we are told, uh, the God of Israel. And uh, 
when we examine his reign in the early years, the first eight years of his reign, uh, there were significant inroads made in terms of bringing the people back to their spiritual roots. Now, many of his predecessors in the reign of the, the uh, Judaic kings, uh, they attempted to put into practice some of the esoteric practices of their day. Uh, and some reverted to Baal worship and uh, the uh, deities of the surrounding people groups. But this brought no lasting success. Uh, this brought certainly no national prosperity. And when we examined what the Spirit of God has given us about the lives of these kings who uh, uh, apostatized to the uh, religious practices of the nations that surrounded them, uh, what we found is that there was no life transformation. There was no deepening of their spirituality. And so uh, at 16, this king set his heart to seek, uh, as the scripture says, Jehovah, his God, as did his forefather David. And as a result of this initial application of himself to know the living God, uh, we are told that he purged the high places uh, and the Asherahs, which were representations of the Canaanite deities and the sacred places uh, where these deities were placed. And uh, he broke down the altars of Baal, and he also destroyed false worship. Idolatry was being stamped out. And um, he also repaired the house of God. And I think this is noteworthy, and for this reason particularly. He, he engaged himself spiritually, and he performed the standard behaviors that in that day a, a devoted Israelite, that is devoted to Jehovah, would be able to ascertain that this king is seeking to eradicate the very practices that would have brought judgment upon the nation, as they were told uh, in the law uh, prior to going into the land. And of course, uh, this was reiterated uh, in the book of Deuteronomy, which was uh, the second generation Israelites coming out of Egypt, and they were being prepared for their new life in Canaan. So he performed the status quo behaviors and the people were encouraged to seek Jehovah. And add to that, uh, we were approaching the turning point of his reign because at the time he had faithful men that were making repairs to the house of God. And of course, there was a certain amount of uh, funds that uh, were allotted for this great task. And in the process of executing that task, these faithful men, uh, one of which was Hilkaijah, the high priest, and uh, Shaphan, the scribe, 
uh, Hilkijah found the book of the law in the house of Jehovah. Now, uh, this too is noteworthy because the book of the law contained all of the heart and mind and will of God for the then people, the Israelites of that day. And all that was necessary to foster and maintain a lively, dynamic relationship with the living God of uh, Israel, God of heaven and earth, it was contained in the law. Yet, the law was relocated to the house of God, and by virtue of the fact that the house of God was being repaired, it was clear that the masses were essentially doing their own thing. So there was a lot of work to do. But these men, these faithful men, found the word of God. And, uh, you know, I, I use that term because that is the understood terminology in sacred uh, writ. And uh, they brought this book of the law to the king. And Shaphan the scribe informed the king that Hilkijah, uh, the priest, gave him a book. And Shaphan read it before the king. Now, this is rather interesting. Because it brings us to the second major point of our conversation today. And that is this. Where are you getting your information? The course of life that you have now uh, outlined for yourself. What information clearly describes the path that you have taken? Is it a plethora of sources combined to be one source? Uh, and I would ask you, um, is it transferable? If others were to follow the same course of life that you've chosen, would they obtain the results? Which leads me to the question, are you satisfied with the results? So, uh, the book of the law was found, and when the king read it, or when it was read to the king, and he heard the words of the book of the law, he tore his garments. Now this gesture was an evidencing of grief of heart. The person was moved to the core of their being and there was no other way of expressing this uh, consternation but by uh, ripping their garments. And so it, it, it spoke of the fact that, that he was, if you will, moved to the heart, to the core of his being. And he asked uh, the priest, Hilkijah, and uh, Ahikam to go and seek or inquire of Jehovah for him and the people for all Judah concerning the words of the book. So on this second point concerning the source that you've chosen, this king was not only concerned for himself. This wasn't an individual quest. This was a quest that any man, all men, ought to be pursuing. And his immediate concern was not just for himself, but for the people and for all of Judah. Because he said that the wrath of God is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened, they have not listened with an intent to pursue the words of the law. And now he recognized the consequence. Uh, 
In other words, the unmitigated consequence of the choices of his predecessors was that hope had run out. There was no more hope. The end has finally arrived. And it's rather interesting that this king, when he heard the words, had the, the appropriate heart disposition towards God. It was almost in an instant. He turned and he rent his garment, which was an outward expression of the movement of his heart to respond to what he's heard. And he was given the word of God that the judgment that was coming, the consequence that was coming, and you will find this in Second Kings chapter 22, the consequence that was coming was not going to be in his time, but after he died. But this is what I find remarkable. Most people would say, okay, I've been spared, and lapse into, um, into a sense of ease, but not this man. And during his reign, there were no miracles, there were no signs from the prophets. He didn't have what his predecessors had, no visions, but he set his heart to garrison the people. And we are told in the 23rd chapter that he read the words of the covenant to all the people. He gathered them together. And he gathered them at the house of Jehovah, the meeting place. All the inhabitants of uh, Jerusalem uh, with the prophets and the priests, the people, small and great, he gathered them together and they read the words of this covenant in their ears. All the words. Why? Because it was important that the people knew of God's commitment to them. That commitment needed to be known. And I say to you, when we think about the source, we would ask for some phenomenon to be evident in our lives. But this man, this young man, 16 years old, knew enough that what was really needed was a firm, heart-turning commitment of the devotee back to God. And with that turning of the heart, the actions would follow. And with that commitment, God in his law, in his word, which reveals his will, commits himself to reveal himself to the person who seeks him with all their heart. And we also learn, for example, that he committed the people to keep this law with their whole hearts, to devote themselves to know the will of the supreme living God. And it was inclusive as well. It was for all of them. It's not just some special person that, that for example, finds uh, some secret law, something in, you know, during meditation or some affirmations that they could say and everyone can see that they're prospering. God is interested in anyone and everyone finding him who is the source of all life. 
And so we find that Josiah was concerned that everyone and anyone under the influence of his reign had equal opportunity to know the living God. So I ask you this, whatever path you've chosen, would you recommend it to someone who is near and dear to you? This king had no miracles, no visions, no strong words from the prophets, no fire coming down from heaven. But what he did have was the known will of God and the covenant, the promise of the God of heaven and earth to reveal himself to the one who seeks him with all their heart. And so we see in this king's life that it was not about the status quo. And what was important was the source of the information that drove his actions, that moved his heart. And he didn't need the evidence of miracles and visions and the works of some of the mighty prophets that uh, predated him and his predecessors. This secret, this path was open to all The results were uh, repeatable. It was evidence in a covenant that God made to his people to reveal himself. God will reveal himself. But very often, as we will see, there are some steps that need to be taken. Here's the first step. There needed to be actions that will address the things that are wrong. Now, someone can argue that, well, to address things that are wrong is really a relativistic approach because what's wrong for me may not be wrong for someone else. But we're dealing with a very narrow scope. We're dealing with a person who says, I have a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. I am indwelt by the Spirit of God the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is also my Father through faith in Christ. So, our conversation is directed to that person. And as with Josiah, what we found in the 23rd chapter is that when he and the people committed themselves to seek Jehovah, the God of Israel, who is the same God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it is only then that their eyes were opened to see the things that are typically called abominations. The things that God, that is Jehovah, found hateful, their eyes were now opened to address these issues head on. And what is noteworthy is that his initial efforts when he first came to the throne at eight years old and the succeeding years, those efforts paled in comparison to what they were about to do or what he was about to do now that he made a full heart commitment to walk with, to know and to deepen his relationship with Jehovah. Now his eyes were open to see 
what God sees. And I say that to say this. Many times we can't see what needs to be changed because our hearts have not been moved to turn in the other direction. And so we are attempting to bargain with God. If I see what needs to be done, then I'll make a heart commitment to know you and walk with you. But it's really the converse. We need to make the commitment to know and walk with God firstly. And when that heart has been turned, we are now looking in the direction that God is looking at. And what we are doing is looking at our lives. We are now open-faced with all that is in the room and in our space and in our life, in our practice, in all that we enjoy. We are in a position to see life on the horizontal plane from the divine perspective. And now his heart was positioned to not only fully know the living God, but the door was open to see what needed to be done. And so we are told in the 23rd chapter that he removed the vessels that were associated with false, idolatrous worship, and they burned them. And the practices of their day that led to despair and frustration and uh, uh, having their enemies usurp them and, 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 and infiltrate their borders and, and all the uh, uh, ensuing problems that were associated with uh, an idolatrous spiritual practice. They were now prepared to address them. The things that were hateful to God, we are told that this king abolished them, okay? He abolished them. All the idolatrous practices were removed as a, if you will, these practices were preventatives obstructing the devotee from seeing the glory of Jehovah. And what often happens to the disciple of our Lord Jesus Christ is simply this. We're not prepared to address the things that God finds distasteful in our lives. And when we find that our current pursuit of God doesn't yield satisfaction, we begin to incorporate other things. And we have done what they did at the very beginning of Josiah's reign. The word of God was relegated to the house of God, which was relegated to disrepair, and other practices sprung up. But when his heart was moved and his heart was positioned to know the living God, now he could see what was in their national life. And I say that to say this to you, my friend. Here we are conversing about life beside still waters, a walk and relationship with God. But in order to have the fruits of that endeavor, in order to know and see the fingerprint of God in our lives, in order to have a greater sense and awareness of the presence of the Spirit of God in our life, and, if you will, to see more consistent answers to prayer, 
evidencing that God is truly walking with us as we seek to walk with him. To get to that point, it necessitates a change of heart. Not for new birth, but to have a life that is set apart and committed to walking with God. And so what we find now in the life of this king, as they began to make the national purging of these idolatrous practices, they came to the place where they established the Passover. They held the Passover. And it's rather interesting. It had been many years before the Passover was held. Many years. And so, Josiah saw all that needed to be removed. And he also saw what needed to be put in place. If you recall, when we looked at the life of Abraham, and uh, he was given the promise to go to a land that uh, Jehovah would reveal to him. When he came to that land, and it was confirmed by Jehovah that this is the land and the promises associated with his obedience, Abraham did two things. He established two altars, one as a memorial, and the other as his regular meeting place with God. And even when he, uh, through poor decision-making, if you will, went down to Egypt during the famine and left the place where God promised to sustain him, uh, and that debacle not ending very well in getting booted out of Egypt, <laughs> literally chased out of Egypt, because his duplicity was, was, uh, was uh, uncovered, he returned to the place where he first established his altar, and there he called upon Jehovah. And you will see this theme throughout Holy Writ, that when men have turned in their hearts towards God fully, and have addressed the things that are hindrances, blockages, obstructions to seeing and walking with God, when those things are addressed and removed or dealt with, it could be broken relationships that need to be mended. It could be bygone hurts and uh, dissatisfying circumstances and friendships, uh, perhaps because of bad behaviors, forgiveness that needs to be exercised, I don't know what it is, but I know this, you know what it is. And what is important is that if you know what it is, then just address it. Get it fixed. Get it removed. If it simply becomes a deterrent from walking with God. That is the question we need to ask ourselves. What am I pursuing? Ultimately, what am I pursuing? Well, in Josiah's reign, it was clear for himself and for the people that he covenanted with to seek Jehovah. They established the Passover. And the Passover took them back to Egypt, 
a recollection of their time as slaves in bondage and how Jehovah used one man, that is Moses, to be the deliverer. But in coming to Egypt, he brought with him the evidencing of these judgments, these plagues and proofs, living proofs that Jehovah reigns, that he is a living God and not just an idol made of stone or metal. And so the people were awakened to their national relationship, their national covenant, their bond with Jehovah. And Josiah is now bringing the people back to that place. A remembrance, a, re a recollection, a renewing of that covenant love relationship where God committed himself to the good of his people. And so the Passover was a recounting and recollection of divine ways, God's ways and uh, his methods, the way he shows and demonstrates his love and protection, how he provides for his people and abides with his people. Because when they came out of Egypt, they had living evidence that God was with them, a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They were clear evidences that God was with them. And what is it that you and I seek when we refer to meeting with God beside still waters? It is a commitment to know the living God, to walk with him in every facet of our lives, our, our uh, uh, professional lives, our domestic lives, our relationships to our family, the extended family, the friends we have, uh, perhaps folks that we go to church with, uh, the stranger that we encounter perchance during the day that we are walking with, we are holding the hand who governs of the one who governs the universe and imploring, beseeching that God, the living God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, to so be with us and permeate our lives that it would be clearly evident that there is a difference with us. There is something that marks our lives. And we are desirous that not only we should enjoy this dynamic fellowship, intimacy with God, but that others might know it as well. And would to God that it is the consistent practice that we would be able to help others foster a similar work and walk with God. And so he tells the people as they are preparing for this Passover that they needed to hallow themselves, to make themselves clean. You know, we are told in the second chapter of uh, Peter's first letter where he says that that if you invoke as Father the God of heaven, he says, be ye holy, be holy as I am holy. For if you invoke the name of this holy God past the time of your sojourn, the time of your earthly pilgrimage, let it be lived out in fear and reverence. God is holy. 
above all his attributes, this permeates all the other attributes, <laughs> his holiness. And so for the devotee of our Lord Jesus Christ, the highest calling, the greatest good, the secret is not found in some esoteric practice, albeit it may have uh, uh, physiological health benefits when we you know, meditate. Uh, uh, it's not going to be found in doing energy work. However novel that concept may be, it's not going to be found by the exercise of some particular law, whether it be the law of sowing and reaping or attraction or what have you. Or whether I, or not I say certain affirmations with certain words to conjure certain thoughts in my mind. No, my friend, what we are talking about is the pursuit of the person who has spun the galaxies into being. And at some future date, will wrap it up as a cloak and consume it by his presence. Make yourselves set apart to know God, a full personal commitment to pursue Him. And so the life lesson for us becomes God is the true source of joy and satisfaction to whomever seeks Him in the name and by virtue of the work that Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross. I am appealing to you, the one who, has, who now says, I know Christ as my Savior. And if that is the case, that you are that called out person, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ is the very source of joy, the very source of satisfaction, but that pleasure, that good, that intimacy will never be found until I first address the things that he finds to be a blockage, a hindrance to fellowship with him. And after having addressed it with a full heart's commitment, purpose myself to know him and walk with him. It makes me think, as we just come to a close of, uh, of this conversation, I think of Daniel, now having been a captive in Babylon and having found that they were going to be nursed and nourished with the king's meat, Nebuchadnezzar's way of eating, the Babylonians' way of eating and living, and now, because Daniel can look back and see the consequences of not adhering to the law and the, in this case, dietary um, injunctions that, a, that a, a religious and faithful Jewish person, Israelite, would have adhered to, he purposed in himself that he would not defile himself with the king's meat. So there was a personal commitment to do what pleased God, even in a foreign land. And this king, Josiah, knowing that the consequences for his forefathers 
devotedness to uh, idolatrous worship and practices. And now the consequences that were unalterable were about to be uh, uh, brought upon the, the nation, Judah, Israel, the northern kingdom was already taken away by, by the Assyrians. And now it was Judah's term. And knowing that the, the consequence, the end was near, this young man at 26 years, the reforms took roughly 10 years. So from the age of 16 to the age of 26, he devoted himself, knowing full well, I'll never see the consequence. But that didn't matter. He was committed to bringing the people along with him, to giving them an opportunity to know and walk with the living God in their generation. And my friend, I say that to say this to you and to myself. We are committed to meeting with God beside still waters. But it's not just for us. It's for a generation of people with the people that we mingle with that our lives are enriched and deepened by walking with God so that when we interact with others, it makes a difference. It's not just for me, but if God can be known, it's for everyone. It is the privilege of all those who have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ as their Savior, but it is the opportunity that's available to all men. That's why when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me. It's a very narrow way. But having stepped into the narrow way, you find that it's, it's, a, it's, it's a very wide open way to God through faith in Christ. But to get there, you've got to go through that door. You've got to go through the door. And Jesus points to himself as the way, the truth, the life, this life that we advocate beside still waters, it is the life that our Lord Jesus will live in and through you by virtue of the presence, the indwelling presence of the Spirit of God. May you be encouraged as I seek to encourage my own heart to pursue this way that is found beside still waters thank you for joining beside still waters podcast with christian javois beside still waters is the quiet moment in the stillness of god's presence to receive guidance light and grace to live by faith i hope you've been helped and encouraged to press on living for the glory of god it has been a pleasure and a privilege to connect with you on this podcast to stay connected please follow christian javois on facebook twitter and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you on the next podcast of Beside Still Waters.